0: Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Adam Morgan.
1: When it comes to mobility, the ways we choose to get around town, just in the last few years, we've seen the addition of ride-sharing services with Uber and Lyft adding to the options, with serious conversation and even testing of self-driving vehicles. Add to this the resurgence of bicycles and scooters, Well, taken collectively, how we choose to get about in the future will be a mix of options and choices. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. This array of options is going to require a lot of rethinking regarding mobility resources management, from traffic management, roadway allocation to safety requirements and even new rules for the road. Some of that future forward thinking is already underway in the form of the Denver Mobility Choice Blueprint. Leading the effort to make sense of what we use and how we'll use it in the future is the managing director of the Denver Mobility Choice Blueprint, Mr. Don
0: Hunt. Congestion will always be with us. Yeah. Uh, we can't the the phrase is we can't build our way out of uh congestion. We added another lane in each direction, I- twenty five, plus like you say, a whole light rail transit line yeah. <laughs> paralleling it. And it was less than ten years. And I-25 started to congest again and back up and stop and go traffic. Well, we could add another lane, a fifth lane in each direction It would last five years and then start all over. So you can't build your way out um, to just to add a lane to the urban freeway system is probably five to ten times more expensive than building the original freeway was. Yeah, yeah. So – Again, uh, we'll always have vehicles on the street. We'll have people driving alone. We'll have plenty of people driving trucks doing deliveries. Uh, in fact, the way we live right now, maybe you'd you'd make a single trip to go buy two or three things. Uh, now you get on the internet and go to Amazon and you order stuff, and it might cause you know it might be ten trips to your house as all of that stuff is delivered. So there are some studies that show even though we aren't driving. Uh, the delivery trucks are driving for. <laughs> it's got to be also an aspect
1: of your study in there, somewhere about. I'm going to use the word reconditioning or getting people to rethink how and when they want to be mobile as well to make it efficient, and so that you get a lot of impulse out. So that when the delivery trucks show up, it's more space for them to roam around <laughs> yeah. and get to to your house. So um, there, there's got to be a a, a a civic education campaign someplace in there to also to start people there's, to rethink about how they're using trans, transit and transportation.
0: You're absolutely right. I mean, we're we're uh, victims of our own past behavior. It's very difficult to change human behavior. You know, I'll get around to taking transit. When I have more time, I'll try it next week or next month or next year. Yeah, and it's hard to break that that behavior. So education is part of this, showing examples of how people have made changes to um, reduce their transportation costs. Uh, maybe spend a little more time traveling, but getting rid of a, one of their private vehicles. There are examples of that, and it makes us all think that we could give these alternatives a try. Well,
1: I know one thing that happens in the metro area, that people who do not use public transit, are they just have a great time, and then you get a major snowstorm here, then they ooh, discover RTD in a hurry. So maybe building on those events, saying, you know, you found it, why don't you
0: keep going with that? You know, a lot of uh, cities have found that the way they can build uh, transit ridership is actually around weekend trips and event trips, uh, sporting events. Really uh, market and set up great uh, transit service to those events. People try it on the weekend because they're going to a little bit of a new place. They're not uh, making their trip out of habit. They're having to think about how am I going to get from here to there. And then, boom, they're on the train, they're on the bus, and they find, ah, that isn't so bad, maybe I'll give that a try uh, during the weekday.
1: One of the things that has come up at different times regarding mobility in Denver uh, in the metro area has been the arterials tend to work, mass transits, backbones tend to work, but just getting out of your neighborhood using some form of transit outside of your car quite isn't there yet. So is the study in the blueprint going to be taking a look at uh, how to – Uh, Or what types of transportation will be necessary to just get people out of their house uh, down to the local mall,
0: which which may not be on a public arterial at the time. So you're talking about the problem, Adam, that is called first mile, last mile. Yeah. And that's it. If I live right on the transit line, right on the good bus service line, and my destination's right on the line, uh, I've got a chance, maybe I'll take it. But that is maybe... Yeah, well, it's it's a it's less than half of the metropolitan area has that kind of transit service. So how do I get out of my neighborhood? And this is where this idea of uh, on-demand, flexible route, kind of shuttle service might come into play. Uh, I mentioned Lone Tree earlier, where they're actually using some of the Lone Tree circulator buses yeah. in the employment area, and using Uber technology on-demand app, I need a ride kind of technology to serve a person as uh, that ride is needed and being willing to flex their route, move it around depending on the demand at that particular minute or hour. So you could imagine um, a shuttle bus like that in a uh, neighborhood area sure can. that is flexing around depending on who wants to ride it that morning to get out to the uh, transit line, the, the the larger bus line. Uh, also, you, there, I think there are ways to do it with uh, Uber and Lyft kind of service, yeah. where you're willing to share a ride with someone else. You know, that's a big barrier right now. I, if I call an Uber or Lyft, I'm not sure I want to use their shared service. I don't know who's going to be sitting in the back seat with me. Yeah. So there are. Um, I think they have a challenge. Those services have a challenge to maybe develop vehicles that make me more comfortable. But we all, it's that behavioral thing we talked (laughs) about before, right? It's hard for us to learn new ways. Well, that's because our heritage
1: has been on the horse. We get on our (laughs) horse. It's only us on our horse. We got it by ourselves. We can go when we want to go. We keep it fed. It goes down the street. That begat the car. The car, we use it almost the same way. And so now trying to become more homogeneous with everybody else, and uh, we never loved, loved that stagecoach ride anyway. It was too <laughs> darn bumpy. But now we have to think about this if we want to go more places and do more things. And like America's becoming more communicative driven with cell phones, we're also becoming more mobile because we want to go more places and be involved in more things. And as you spoke of retiring boomers, they're not going to just sit home. The whole notion of retirement is changing. They're not going to be in the park. They want to go and do things. And so it's having a system in place that can allow them to get out of aging in place is going to help them a lot.
0: Uh, it it certainly will. Uh, and that's where, again, some of this ride-sharing and on-demand mobility, everything brought to us really by um, our smartphones, uh, everything's connected to everything else so you can have that on-demand mobility you know, Denver is not an East Coast type city that was built around transit so, lines. Right, exactly. And so we have a, a, a land use pattern that's more di- uh, distributed. Uh, you know, we're building more transit-oriented d- development, apartments, and so on that will give people greater access to the uh, rail lines we've built. But still, the majority of people aren't going to live next to uh, yeah a, a rail a rail sure. station. And that's where I think the old types of basic rail and bus uh, mobility is failing. That's where the car, you know, everything was built around the car and being able to be mobile. Uh, but this, some of the technology and on-demand flex route can start to fill in this gap in a metro area like uh, Denver. No, I promised you we would get back to those
1: self-driving cars. Well, I want
0: to talk about those. Now,
1: those self-driving
0: <laughs> cars... <laughs>
1: No, we, we all heard about the truck, the uh, the beer truck they took from Fort Collins all the way down I-25, and some self-driving car uh, studies and uses in other communities, and some have had some accidents and some haven't. That whole notion is a sea change to get people to do that. And, and, and no, but you have to think about it in the mobility study, not only how to do it, when to do it, And how to get it phased in. That's got to be the biggest challenge you will have in that study, or one of them at least.
0: So a couple of observations on that. Um, Number one, when I was at uh, the executive director of the Colorado DOT, I was able to get into self-driving cars as we went to different conferences around the country. Uh And, you know, you're amazed at what's going on and watch this car drive itself from a city street onto a highway system, maneuver the highway system, get off on an off-ramp and proceed to its destination. Um, It's amazing for about three minutes. And then you start talking to the person next to you in the car. You forget no one's driving the car other than the automated system, the computer. Uh, But so few people have the opportunity right now to actually get into a self-driving automated vehicle. That's one of the areas that mobility choice is working on so that we can get more people exposed to automated self-driving vehicles. There's a um, pilot project that's starting up uh, out at the Pena Station on the way to the airport that will connect a self-driving shuttle bus from the uh, RTD rail station out to a bus stop out on uh, Tower Road. So that will allow people—yeah, it's not operating yet— no, that's a, that's
1: that's one of the stops I use. I can't <laughs> wait to see that <laughs> see one. See that one,
0: uh, and I think you will be um, you will marvel about the technology. Like I say, for a matter of minutes, it it's really amazing how it becomes kind of secondhand. Now, I don't want to oversell driverless technology. I think it will come to us in pieces yeah. in certain parts of uh, the Denver metro region. It will come to us later here in, in, in Denver than in some of the Sunbelt cities that don't have to deal with snow. Mm-hmm. Snow is a really big problem for driverless cars <laughs> I bet it is. that they haven't solved yet. But uh, to give you an example, Waymo, which is the driverless car company uh, founded by Google, it's part of Google, Yeah, um, has been testing with a ridership group. They call it the Early, early Rider Program. Uh, In a couple of suburbs of Phoenix, it's been going on for about a year. Originally, when the people, they uh, paged the car with their app, with their Google app. It shows up at the front door. There was a safety driver early in the program, so there's someone sitting behind the steering wheel. Not steering, but sitting there. Now, Waymo has moved the safety operator to the back seat, so now there's no one behind the wheel. People are still using it. And I'd say it's a matter of months, and uh, Waymo in Phoenix will start the first uh, driverless ride-hailing or Uber-lift, I guess, uh, kind of company. And then that will start to spread across the country, Sunbelt City's first GM is is saying 2021, Ford is saying 2021 for that kind of service. I find this amazing. In California, it's the only place they make— uh, self-driving cars register for, for testing. Yeah. There are 50 companies, 50 companies in California that are testing, trying some form self, of self, test. That's right.
1: Well, the you know, I, I'm not opposed to self-driving cars, but I've always said that uh, my perspective has always been if you can change all the cars at the same time, then the self-drive will work because then you have all automated vehicles looking out for each other. Now, you throw the human variable in there, some guy who doesn't have one, and and by gosh, he's late for work, then you have all
0: kinds of chaos that can occur. Well, human drivers create huge amounts of chaos. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Uh, so, yes, we have this huge period of time. It'll be 25, 35 years as we transition sure. from hum- human-operated vehicles to uh, driverless or self-driving vehicles. And during that period of time, we're going to have a mix of vehicles on the road. So those poor Self-driving vehicles have to really learn a lot about human behavior. They sure and do. And try to anticipate what a <laughs> human being may do. So every once in a while, someone says, well, maybe by the year 2050, uh, we'll outlaw human-driven cars. Yeah, they could. Uh, I doubt it, but there is this safety factor, isn't there?
1: Well, we don't ride horses anymore either, so uh, we always have right. to think, think about that
0: kind of experience. You know, the... the uh, Example that's most often used is um, elevators. For 100 years uh, or maybe 75 years, elevators were um, driven or operated by people. In the 1950s or after the war, automated elevators started appearing and people didn't want to get in them. So they said, well, even though it's automated, we'll have someone sit there, the uh, elevator operator, and they'll push the automated buttons for you. And so there was a period of 10 years where automated elevators had people sitting there pushing the automated buttons. Yeah. And then finally people became uh, accepted the automation and felt safe again.
1: What's the website where people can go and find out more and perhaps uh, take the survey as well?
0: Yeah, it's uh, mobilitychoiceblueprint.com. Okay. All one word, Mobility Choice Blueprint. And you can take the survey and find out what kind of uh, – commuter, what kind of mobility person you are. Mr. Don Hunt,
1: the managing director heading the Denver Mobility Choice Blueprint, has been our guest again on this edition. You can follow their work online at mobilitychoiceblueprint.com. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch, stay in your game, and we thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.